key is expenses. Expenses and income are the, the two things that you have to, we have to really look at. Are you, do you have enough income coming in? Are your expenses low enough? You know, worst case, maybe have to get in a, you know, a part-time income. It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike Koyanen. Well, as we've seen over the past couple of months, you know, major life events can really change the, the course of your financial planning. And this past one with the coronavirus is obviously something you can never anticipate, but there are some life events that will probably happen to you or somebody you know during the course of your life. And we're going to talk about those today, how that can spark major changes in your financial situation. And, uh, you know, that's a good reason why you oftentimes need to get a financial review to go over these things and make sure you're prepared for them. So we'll talk about those today. Plus, we have some financial dictionary for you. We'll be talking about adjustable rate mortgage, what that is, what that means, why it's different from a traditional mortgage. And we'll get an explanation on that from Mike Coyden, the founder and owner of Principal Preservation Services. And Mike, uh, what's new for you? You know, life is is busy. Uh, spring is here. Projects are here. You know, just trying to get you know life back t- to normal. It's nice just to be outside and, and uh, mowing the lawn. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just appreciate for you know, a lot of the things that uh, you know, we push hard throughout this, you know, this, well, we push hard all the time, but it gave us a little bit of time to set back a little bit here uh, with this whole coronavirus and, you know, our schedules laxed a little bit, uh, but just be able to uh, focus more on family, take care of the things that need to be taken care of. And, and uh, you know, just like, you know, farmers, they have their, their busy seasons and they have their harvest seasons and they have their uh, their seasons where they can actually not be as busy. I'm not saying farmers are never lazy, but there's always work to be done, right? But mm-hmm. same thing here. We, there's always work to be done, but it's nice to take a step back and, and relax a little bit after uh, some very intense last few years. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let me remind you too, you brought up farming. We had an episode, uh, past episode on how farming compares to uh, financial planning. So if that if that's farming uh, metaphor really caught your attention and, and some of the things Mike was just talking about, go back to one of our past episodes and check that out. And make sure you subscribe while you're there to all of our episodes. Uh, they'll be delivered to you every single week. We have a new episode we put out and we cover a number of different financial and investing and different kind of topics uh, across the board. We cover a wide range here and I think you'll get a lot of value out of it. So hit subscribe while you're there and uh, you'll be able to get every single episode delivered to you. So I want to start off a little something different, Mike. We, we do Financial Dictionary. Uh, I think we've done it a couple of times, but just a real quick uh, way to present a maybe a phrase or an item that you hear about a lot, but maybe people aren't quite familiar about. And today, uh, one I want to ask you about is an ARM, which is an adjustable rate mortgage. What exactly is this? I know you have a little mortgage background in your career, but what is that and kind of how is it different from a traditional mortgage? Yeah, yeah. And I used to own a mortgage company here too. So that's I do have some quite a bit of experience with this. Uh, they were really popular here back in uh, you know the early 2000s. Actually, at my first house, I actually bought my first house at 22 years old on an FHA arm, and um, it's one way to get in at a lower rate than the 30-year interest rate. Uh, you know, when we looked at it, when rates used to be higher, now that they're not as popular now because rates are so low. Uh, but it was one way to get at a lower rate. And I remember when I bought my first house in St. Cloud, Minnesota, um, you know, right after college, I, I think it was $77,900 I paid for my, my first house. 
And um, I think I, I bought the FHA arm. It was on a one-year arm, and I think I got it at the first year was 6%, but the next year it went up to 7%, hmm. and the next year it went up to 8%. It doesn't always guarantee it's going to keep going on. It's you know depending on where interest rates are at, but uh, usually they give you a lower rate the first year. But what happens is most of these, what happened back in the, the real estate bubble, the crisis, a lot of people bought houses on a three-year arm or a five-year arm where it locked the rate for those three years or five years. And they were they were just planning on refinancing. You know, maybe that was a way for them to get in the house. And that was back in the, the days where people bought as much house or more house than they needed. And uh, housing prices were, you know, appreciating at, you know, eight to 10% every year, it seemed like they were just going crazy. And so, and they were being sold the lie and told this lie by, unfortunately, realtors and, and their mortgage people saying, hey, just let's do this arm. You'll get into this house. And then in three years, five years, your income's gonna be a little bit better, but now you'll be able to go into a 30-year mortgage at that time and things won't be as, as hard. The problem with that is now the, the real estate bubble popped here in 2000, you know, end of 2007. And if their arms came due somewhere in that crisis, you know, 2008, 2009, 10, and the housing prices had dropped so bad, they were upside down. And now their, their rates were increasing. And increasing, and maybe you you got into a, an arm at a five percent rate or four and a half percent rate initially. You know, probably I would say more like a five percent rate. And a lot of them did an interest only arm, which was even worse. That means you only paid the interest in those years. But now, when that arm came due, their house uh, housing prices the appraised uh, a lot less than what the the, the loan amount was, because especially those that just chose an interest only arm, and so they never paid down any principal, and they couldn't refinance. And, you know, I have a I have a good friend I went to school with that owns a lot of investment properties and he bought one of his investment properties on an arm and it was so upside down um, and the rates were jumping. I think the rates were up into the nine or 10 percent range. It kept jumping up. Wow. And he's like, I can't afford to keep paying this and the bank won't work with me. Unfortunately, he lost that property. He's like, I just, you know. And, and people weren't paying rents at the time. The whole, you know, cri- you know financial crisis was, was at a bad time right there, too. But so I'm not a fan of them. We don't see them as much anymore because 30-year rates are so low. And I think people have lived through that experience to understand that that's not the best situation for majority of people. Again, you know, uh, why I think they were sold that lie that you know, housing prices will always keep increasing the way they were, which I think anybody with experience knew that it wouldn't. But, you know, when you're, you know, you can get into a house more than you could, you, you thought you could get into. So maybe you should have only bought a starter home with maybe a split level house, but you got talked into a two story house because you were able to use the, the qualification numbers for an, an interest only arm. And uh, that got you into trouble, and that was part of the crisis as well. And it wasn't just necessarily the realtors and the and the mortgage brokers. It was really the the government was really involved with this. And if you saw the movie The Big Short, I really recommend it because they were really behind it. And and if the mortgage broker uh, refused to offer that or or uh, do the loan i mean they could be in trouble for discrimination so it was they were just offering the products that were put out there by the companies that were actually approved by you know a lot of the, the, the governments these are fannie mae and freddie mac type loans and then what happened is 
you know, the whole thing went to, <laughs> went down the tubes. And I think a lot of the people took the, the guys that took the biggest brunt for the problems was the mortgage brokers. And I know there's a lot of bad brokers out there. I've met a, a, quite a few over the years, but there's a lot of them that were doing things right, but they took the blame and it wasn't necessarily on their shoulders. I really recommending watching that movie, The Big Short. I mean, yeah. it's been out for about five years or eight years, something like that. Yeah, it is a good movie. And that's crazy that uh, when you got your first house, you, you got the arm and 6% was a great rate back then. That that seems uh, absurd right now with the rates under four in a lot of places. Yeah, it was 25, 26 years ago when I bought my first house. But, you know, it was, yeah, well, at the time it was great. And it was, I think my first mortgage payment was like $650 or something <laughs> like that. I, I just laugh at that now. I mean, oh, that would be so great today. <laughs> but, um, but at the time, that was a lot. Yeah. Well, buying a house is a big life event, uh, and it takes us into our main topic, which is life yeah. events that can really spark a major change in your life and and really a chance for you to do a financial review and really a good idea to review kind of where you stand with everything. So I'm going to throw out five different life events for you, Mike, and tell me why it's important really to assess your situation when these things happen, because things will change on the back end of this. So the first one is uh, moving to a new job when it's a planned move. Why can that change your situation? Yeah, there's a lot of things to consider with that. Is if it's a planned move, and I think a lot of people with this, uh, you know, losing jobs through this whole coronavirus bubble, and and uh, they weren't able to keep your businesses closed. Now you're a lot of people are looking for different jobs at this point. But you want to look at assess, you know, what's their 401k plan? You know, what is the employer matching? You know, make sure that you know you know what that is. You know, how much should you be contributing? Obviously, you need to know what that income is. Um, did you take a pay increase? Or is it because it's a new job? Because you lost your past one? You know, so you want to just do they have a pension? Some companies still have pensions, or maybe you're a state worker, or, you know, a government worker through the federal government or county. Uh, so you want to look at that, and obviously look at you know health insurance and do they what's the cost of health insurance and um, some companies offer it some people don't if it's a small small business a lot of times they don't offer health insurance and life insurance and you really have to ask the right questions i think so many people start a job they only know what they pay and that's it you had, when you're in that process in that hiring process once you get the job you want to you know even that interview process you want to know what, what are the benefits that are being offered here so I know how this is going to work with my my retirement plan? So a, a job is great, but you also need to make sure it's how's that going to help you retire someday? Well, the other side of that is when you have to change jobs, but it's because you it was an unplanned situation where you either got fired or you laid off, got laid off or, you know, a lot of situations now people are going into early retirement. So why is it important then at that point? I mean, it kind of seems obvious, but what do you need to be assessing and evaluating at that point? Yeah. And this is, we've had this a lot where people intended to work till maybe 65 or they were let go and they just eliminated a whole department or uh, you know, maybe when they're 62 and they did, they wanted to work two or three more years um, unplanned. And so that's really where you have to sit down and said, okay, um, and maybe they were, you know, on unemployment for a few, you know, a few months, or maybe they had received, you know, their severance package. Uh, now it's to look at expenses. You know, what are your expenses? How are you going to be able to, if you didn't go back to work, worst case scenario, this is how your, your, portfolio is going to look. Do we need to start taking withdrawals out of it? So you really need to have that game plan about, you know, looking at social security, your income expenses, taking money from your investments. Uh, can you get by? How long, how much money do you really need to, you have to live off a tighter budget when you're used to uh, making, usually typically more people are making more income, netting more income 
while working than retired. It's not always the case, but most of the time it's that way. Uh, you really have to make some adjustments and fine tune things. And sometimes it, it comes down to is is maybe they're they're going to downsize a little bit. So there's a lot of different things we have to look at. The key is expenses. Expenses and income are the the two things that you have to we have to really look at. Are you do you have enough income coming in? Are expenses low enough? You know, worst case, maybe have to get in a, you know, a part-time income, you know, and get a time job. The next one is uh, when money comes in, it might seem like a positive. You receive an inheritance. All of a sudden, you kind of have this sudden windfall. For a lot of people, it might feel like a lottery win even uh, when you receive that inheritance. But why is it important there if this happens for you, Mike, and, you, and you're able to benefit from this? Why is it important just to take a step, pause, wait a second before you decide what to do with that money? Yeah, and uh, substantial inheritance. You know, there's uh, a good friend of mine down in in Indiana. He actually was on the news talked about this. I think it was 83 percent of all inherited wealth is lost within three years. And so, if it's a substantial amount of money that somebody inherits, and it's never been earned, and I think that's a big point. It's the difference when you earn it, you respect it, and you work your your tail off for it. So you you can appreciate it more than actually inheriting money that was really, in a sense, never earned. You, you know, it was a gift to you. Uh, you really need to do proper planning. Like you said, step back and you really need to sit down with somebody and find out what's the best way to use this money. Is it, you know, maybe you were way behind on your retirement planning and this is going to help get you caught up in a sense. Um, is it, this is the best money to use to pay off debt. A lot of times, now, people have received a, a substantial amount from their parents, and we look at the debt, first of all, especially the bad debt. Let's focus on credit cards and car loans and uh, anything that's higher interest. We get rid of those, and it, if it makes sense, sometimes, yeah, let's just get that house paid off. Let's just be debt-free. So the key is you want to talk about what are all your options to look at and not just using that money to spend. That might be 100% necessary for you to be retired. And if you didn't receive it, um, you might have to be working a lot longer than that is. So the key is uh, sit down and figure out what is the best game plan uh, that's going to you know accelerate your retirement. Well, one that we, you know, some people are having to deal with in recent months is, uh, you know, serious medical situation and, you know, whether or not coronavirus or something uh, like cancer or something like that, if you're facing a serious medical issue, why is, impor is it important to sit down at that point and really assess your financial situation? Yeah, it's always important when we do planning to, uh, to look at, you know, the whole household income for, you know, social securities and pensions and all the assets for, for when you're both here, but... Um, if we had to plan, if it's a serious medical issue, is if something was to happen to one of the spouses, we have to run that what if scenario. You know, how will the other one get by? Or are you gonna, going to incur a lot of medical expenses throughout this? And where are those funds going to come from? How is that going to be taken care of? You know, so then we start assessing other things like life insurance and and you know maybe you have to take a lot of work off and your income's going to go down by half. You know, we've had a few clients that um, were battling some cancer and they only worked roughly half the year last year. Uh, so you know their income was definitely affected, which affected their plan a little bit. So we just we have to keep updating these numbers. Are they going to go back to work? Are they in remission? Or so we have to just kind of game plan around that. It's not perfect science because depending on what the situation is, how serious that medical issue is, and some people can can work full time through these medical issues, some people cannot. So obviously it's gonna affect income, it's gonna affect your contributions, it's gonna affect expenses, but we also wanna 
a lot of people say, let's just be real. If something happened to me, I have a client says, it was battling cancer. Let's just make sure that my wife is taken care of. Could run this scenario for me. And, uh, you know, so, you know, those are tough situations when they're right there in front of you and they're telling you to, to run the scenario as if they weren't around. But we have to be realistic with it. And that's a, I think that's honorable to to make sure that when you're not here that your, your spouse and the family's uh, lifestyle doesn't really get much affected. Yeah. Well, the final life event that, that uh, we want to hit on that will really make you assess your financial situation is the death of a spouse. And, and this can really change a, a, a number of different items within your financial portfolio. Yeah. And like I said, it kind of alluded to in the previous one, but you know, now you're living off of one income. You lose the social security. So we have to look at that. You, you're going to maintain the higher of the two. So if your spouse uh, for example, passed away and they were getting $2,500 a month from Social Security and you were getting $1,800 a month, you'll get the higher benefit. You'll get stepped up to that higher benefit. You don't get both, you get one. Uh, we look at that, you know, the pension and, you know, sometimes you're going to get half of the pension or 75% of your spouse's pension if they had it. Typically, we see a lot of most of that as a scenario. But we also going to going to fine tune the expenses because now, you know, you don't have, you know, two healthcare plans. You're not paying two supplement plans and, you know, two Medicare Part Bs if you're already retired. We're going to find two of those. Typically, your expenses are going to down. Your your travel expenses will go down. Some people, maybe the, the spouse who passed, they were the big traveler and the other one just kind of was around for the ride. The new, the, you know, the, the widow, widower doesn't plan on doing much travel at all anymore. But we want to fine tune those expenses. Um, less food in the house, less, you know, a lot of things. You don't need two vehicles, less insurance. But a really big part of that is is looking at, you know, reassessing your, your estate plan and make sure that that is buttoned up and those beneficiaries have been changed. A lot of people forget about the beneficiaries. And if your spouse was 100% primary beneficiary and some people neglect to set up contingent beneficiaries on your all your accounts, well, what happens if you pass? It goes to probate. And they're not 100% guaranteed to go where you want them to go because you have to designate that. Uh, I was actually just with a client yesterday, they're, they're, well, they're going to be a new client of ours here next week. But when we're looking at all their different accounts and we were just verifying who their, their beneficiaries will be, well, one of their statements had her husband 100%, which is fine, but it has a contingent, her mom. And she goes, oh, my goodness, this thing is so old. I goes, my four kids aren't beneficiaries. I go, no, contingent. And then on her other account with the same broker, it was her husband and then it was the estate of <laughs> so it was going to go to 100 probate so there was no consistency even with the same broker she had two iras with the same broker and both had incorrect outdated beneficiary information so that is so so important to look at and also possibly downsizing we see a lot of people who had lost their spouses you know i don't need this big place out in the country anymore there's too much upkeep or this big house in town i i just need something simpler i want to even be in a town home where they actually you know, shovel the snow up here in the Midwest or, or uh, mow the lawn even. And I don't have to do as much. I just want to keep things simpler. Uh, downsizing. So you might go from a, a $350,000, $400,000 property to maybe a $250,000 property. And, and now you'll actually, your expenses will go down. You'll actually maybe net some extra cash. That's important maybe for your solvency of your retirement plan. And so there's so many things to think about with that is updating your state plan and making sure that everything goes the right place. And then also 
that's the reality is I, I really recommend everybody to do this is, is to get a, a irrevocable funeral trust, put money aside to have your, your funeral expenses paid for, um, because you just saw that if you lost your spouse, how much that is. And now the problem is if something happened to you, who's going to pay for your funeral? Um, and you know, usually the parents don't want to have the kids have to come out of their own pocket for that. It's a good time to be putting money aside that's Medicaid protected away from that, away from creditors, and you can put that aside for a prepaid funeral. So that's another thing I also recommend looking at, especially at that time. Well, as you can see, there's a lot of stuff that uh, you need to consider. And I know the last thing you think about uh, times like these or, you know, your money and your finances, you're, you're kind of worried about the, you know, the situation itself and how you're going to navigate that. But a big part of getting through that in a positive way is to make sure your finances are in order. And it takes a lot of stress off your plate as well when these things are in shape and ready to go. You don't have to worry as much about that type of thing. So important that you reach out to an advisor, have your entire financial situation evaluate it, assess, find out exactly where you stand, where you need to go. Uh, and Mike and his team over Principal Preservation Services do that with clients all the time. We'll help you out through any of these, if any of the situations uh, you're dealing with now. Uh, you might know that a new job's coming up, whatever it is. You might re receive an inheritance. All these things worth considering uh, a time to set up a meeting with Mike and his team at Principal Preservation Services. You can find him online at principalpreservationservices.com. There you'll also find webinars. Uh, he's putting up, uh, as we speak, new webinars going up. So there's a lot of good resources there on the site. Plus, every past episode that we've done here on the Retirement Reality Podcast is there as well. So, Mike, I know nobody wants to have to deal with these a lot of these situations in life, but being prepared is, is so important so you don't have to worry about all the little things that go along this. You can just you can focus on the task at hand. Exactly right. Nobody wants to talk about these or do these things, but these are the tough things that are necessary and once you get them done, it'll just be a big weight off your shoulder. It's just it's like back when you were in school, it was the book report day, right? Nobody wanted, <laughs> nobody wanted to be the first one to stand up and do the book report, but sometimes it was just, you know what, let me just do it so I get out of the way and then I can relax a little bit. But that's a lot less stress, obviously, than what we're talking about. But just go through the process, get it done. Uh, you'll be uh, so, so much more relieved to make sure that things are taken care of and it's just a responsible thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mike, thanks for your time uh, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Retirement Reality Podcast. Hit subscribe wherever it is you listen to uh, this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google, whatever it is, we'll be there on all the major apps. And uh, we'll be looking forward to talking to you on the next episode. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.